0: Hello, you're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in the Carolina Panthers football. So join us crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care whatever makes you sleep better at night. Bryson, how you doing this evening?
1: Howdy, Curtis. I'm doing great. Just uh, hoping I don't have to go to work tomorrow. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, we're all preparing for this big, big old ice storm that's supposed to be coming here in North Carolina, all the Carolinas. Before we get started, let's do a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group, Panthers on Tap. We have over 2,000 members. You can find all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Panthers on Tap. Don't forget to give Bryson and I some love on Twitter. You can follow us at coach rule and at Curtis underscore round. We got a pretty big episode this evening. There's there's some things happening with the Panthers. Our special guest for our second episode, the owner and co-founder of the four man rush, Kevin Avery. Kevin, welcome.
2: I appreciate it, Curtis. Bryson, definitely an honor to be here. I was uh I was shocked when I got the invite, and I was like, oh, okay cool you know but uh <laughs> definitely looking forward to uh chatting out Panthers guys I, I could talk Panthers seven days a week if it was allowed
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'd lo- we love to have you here well let's just start off a little bit we'll get into the football we'll get into the football a little bit but just tell us about your fandom for the Panthers when it started and I, I want to say have you ever missed the game at BOA
2: well, for me, uh, to answer your first question, when did my fandom start? Uh, it started when the team got announced. Now, I will be honest. Everybody had a team before the Panthers came here. Uh, my, my very first football game, I'll never forget, it was uh, the 1988 season. Um, the San Francisco 49ers played the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. I don't know from my age about the show, but there was this dance called the Icky Shuffle. <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals had a running back called Icky Woods and my dad was like well son this is the Super Bowl what team you want to go for um and I said I like the team in the red that just happened to be the 49ers he said well that's the 49ers I'm like okay that's my team and I'm like, I'm like eight years old at the time so <laughs> so from 88 till uh 94 I was a 49ers fan and then when the uh, we got our own team here. I'm like, well, shoot, I could go to some games now. You know, I'm a senior. I'm in high school, so yeah, I switched over to the Panthers, and it was some mixed feelings when they both was in the NFC West together. I was like, dang, my old team versus my new team, but uh, you know, that faded away um, here, and I've been uh, been with them ever since. Far as your second question, uh, I haven't missed a single home game since the start started the 2011 uh, season. So when Ron and Ron Rivera and Cam came, that's when I started my Uh, Streak. I was finding a position financially to afford PSLs and um, haven't missed not one home game. So my streak is before the opt-out for the COVID, which I did. uh, It was 72 straight home games, regular season, three playoff games.
0: Wow, that's That's impressive. impressive. I got about three on my list. (laughs) 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 We'll start that once the money starts pouring in. (laughs) <laughs> let's get into the four-man rush a little bit here and just tell us a little bit about your guys's what you got going on with four-man rush and w- what is it all about you got that started and I know you've been pretty um I mean active in going to games you went to a lot of training camps in Spartanburg just tell us a little bit about that
2: yeah sure so the uh, idea of the four-man rush um it was actually an idea Um, to myself I kind of had back in 2014 but I just couldn't find the right mix of guys you know to make it happen Um, so it just came about that uh, uh, I got pulled into a group chat by um, another another one of my Panther friends and it was just four of us and you know we just started talking about you know the Panthers and you know what it would be like to you know tell the complete story to Panthers because you know let the media tell it all during that time you know it was just Uh, pitch daughter talked about cam having a towel over his head um and you know like a brief run through of what happened in the game and we just felt like that the side of the panthers wasn't wasn't being told properly all the details you know the good the bad and the ugly so uh we decided to form it started out as a facebook chat um group chat for several months and about august of 2018 uh we said you know what let's uh let's step this up a bit let's uh let's form a page and let's start doing a podcast and, you know, went through the rough spells cause none of us had ever done it before, but you know, all of us, you know, eventually got connected with the right people. So it's, so, uh, we formed a four man rush, which started August, 2018. And, uh, we, uh, steadily, you know, just been building up our, our platform, our, uh, fans and, uh, we're, we're starting to get known, um, Throughout the uh, throughout the area, we was actually voted nineteenth best Panther podcast. Um, I forgot which site that was on, but uh, that was pretty much a nice honor considering the the folks that was up there. So, very humble beginnings because you know in twenty eighteen, you know we haven't had a winning season <laughs> since we formed. So to get the steady increase month after month of people following us, and you know it was it was a huge huge compliment. It was a compliment to the work that we put out that. You know, in spite of the team not being successful, people were liking the type of content we are putting out.
1: Yeah, I, I was wondering uh, if you guys were gonna uh, change your name this year because Phil Snow and that three-down lineman—I I, I thought they might be uh, messing <laughs> around and changing it to the to the three-man rush. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of wanted to uh, to move in more to the football stuff. I love talking football, so <laughs> I guess we could start with. The most recent news, I guess you could say, um, Kwan Short, the cut, uh, the cut of KK Short. I mean, he's he's been a kind of a pillar for the Panthers for the past couple of years. I mean, 2015, he was one of the best def- defensive tackles in the league. Uh, I don't think that can be argued. But what did you think of the move? And what are some other potential cap casualties that you see this offseason?
2: Yeah, as far as Kwan Short, I I'm definitely was a, one of his biggest fans. Uh, you know, I'm a guy that loves the guys in the trenches anyway. So, you know, yeah. my love for offensive and defense linemen, a little bit stronger than everybody else's. <laughs>
1: um,
2: but, yeah, but when him and Star Toulier were drafted first and second round in 2013, I I, I was one of the fans that excited everybody else, like, defensive linemen? Yeah. You know, because, <laughs> you know, I got tired of us getting gassed up the gut, you know, in 2011 and 2012. uh uh-huh. yep. You know, we'll we'll score 30 points, but, you know, we'll give it up the middle and other teams score 35 or 40. So, uh, yeah, but definitely was a fan of his uh, class and personified. We haven't heard not one negative thing about him off the field since he's been here. Uh, he does a lot of great community work. Uh, just just loved his overall demeanors. Um, some of the things that stood out about him was uh, when we watched the film in all 22 was that he has some of the most violent active hands. There was a reason why he was so successful uh here with the with the Panthers when it comes to disengaging blocks and moving people around I mean for a guy that big 330 pounds he could move you know but at the end of the day father times undefeated back-to-back shoulder surgeries 32 years old 20 million dollar cap hit I mean it was it was pretty much expected yeah you know and one thing I tell people you know you know how people always talking about Oh, restructure, restructure, restructure. Well, originally his last year, of this contract was only supposed to be about 12, 13 million dollars. But because he kept restructuring to help out the team, that was the reason why it blew up to 20 million dollars, because that money just kept getting pushed further and further down the line. Uh, you know, when okay. people yell restructure, restructure. I'm like, OK, you still got to pay the man. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we, we've had some outside of 2017, we've had some really tight years when it comes to the salary cap. So that was, that was, that's what that led to. Kevin,
0: if I can jump in here, why, why now you you see the reports out there that they could have saved, they could have saved the money if they cut him, he was a post June first cut. So why, why release him now and not wait until that post June or give him the post June first designation so you can, you could save more money. You, I think it was four and a half million dollars. I mean, what, why, why was the decision made to do it now versus wait or give him the post one designation? Cause he wasn't given that.
2: Well, to my knowledge, uh, they do have the option of still designating him at that, but see, here's the thing. When you do that, you hold back on the amount of, you know, cap savings that you can use. Now it won't become available to use until, after June 1st. So when you look at it with pending free agency and everything coming up, I'm looking at it as they took it upon themselves. Let's just go ahead and get as much money up front because they already expect it's going to be a reduced salary cap already. What they projected, you know, last year was 198 million. Then they thought it was going to be about 175 last report last week. Says it might be around 180, 182, um, you know, still, still to be determined. We'll probably hear in the next coming weeks, but free agency just 30 days away. But, um, they just had to. They just had to start building up that salary cap, is is what I see. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, they do have the option of still doing it if they decide. But that money won't be available until after um after June 1st.
0: Now, now going off of that, and Bryson mentioned this too. Is what do you see? I mean we have we have some important dates coming up here in the next couple of weeks with free agency. Who do you think, going off some of the guys, I can just look at the list here. You have Mike Davis, you have Rasul Douglas, Cornelder, Manhurts. You have pretty much the entire offensive line. Who do you think is going to be a cap casualty for the Panthers, and who do you think they're going to bring back to kind of build off of what they did last year?
2: Well, as far as a cap casualty, being players who are still under contract that could be released, uh, one of the first ones that I think should be a no-brainer is uh, Stephen Weatherly. Hmm. Uh, I think cutting him would save us. I believe five point three million dollars, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just trying. To I think we that.
0: all agree on that one. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, like, what he end up with, like seven tackles for the season. I mean, yeah.
1: He he
2: did not pan out, to say the least. No. Nah. So I mean, and it's crazy because when you looked at his film up in Minnesota, totally different player. Uh, player. So I can see why they why the interest was there. But hey, you know what? It just didn't pan out. You know, cut your losses when you can and move on. So mm-hmm. he would be one um, to look. I mean, at. I was
0: more impressed with Weatherly's goggles than his play. Let's be real here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I thought the goggles were
1: cool, man.
2: I like the goggles. Yeah, they definitely provided an interesting touch. You know, make those <laughs> of us that uh that wear lenses uh, feel like we're being represented on the field.
0: So
1: <laughs> another one that I that I would mention is polarity because I thought the punter this year that we brought in the rookie. I can't, I, his name is escaping me right now. Charlton. Uh, Yeah, Charlton, Joseph Charlton. I I thought he played well, um, well enough to move on from Polardi, a smaller contract and a younger player in general. And uh, according to sporttrack.com, with those two cuts, with Weatherly and Pilardi, and then with the um, K-1 shortcut already, that puts the Panthers at about $35 million in cap space, uh, not including the Moten franchise tag that's incoming, um, which I think is going to be Around fourteen point five million for a franchise tag, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, they got some cap to work with, and I don't know any potential trades that may happen. I I hope a potential trade does happen. We'll get into
0: that in a little while, Kevin. Let's talk a little bit about the offensive line. Out of those, out of the guys that they could lose, who do you see them? Do you see them bringing back anyone?
2: Honestly. If you ask me based on what I see versus what they think, um, the talk is possibly John Miller could be brought back. But when I look at the interior alignment that's coming into this draft, we seriously could if, if when we're able to resign, Moulton, which we will, we can get to that subject a little bit um, later here as well. I really think that we can we have the opportunity with currently eight draft pits and would there have been a possibility we could trade back to maybe add a couple of more, we could essentially have a brand new offensive line just out of this draft. I mean, the, the talent, particularly at garden center is deep. Like there are guys that, and that's going to be selected in day three. That's going to be some real solid starters for a year to, for years to come, Mm -hmm. you know, based on the film work that we see me personally, um, I'm a fan. I, I hope we sit at eight and a Panay Sewell happens to drop because everybody's going crazy for these quarterbacks and wide receivers in front of us. That would be my ultimate dream to get the uh, the uh, left, the franchise left tackle out of Oregon. That would be my 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 bromance crush of the draft. <laughs> if we could pull that off.
0: Well, I mean, Carolina hasn't had a, a left tackle since Jordan Gross. So that it, that could be a big move. Especially yeah. if you if you if they franchise Tag Moten, you yeah. have him, and you you solidify both the ends of the offensive line, which they haven't done. They they either the they either have had one or the other or none, <laughs> and that's right. really been what the Carolina Panthers have done with their off It's been patchwork for the last six, seven, eight years. It seems like.
2: Yeah, since he left, we had a we've had a different starting left tackle every single year you know, for the, uh, for the Panthers. So it's, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, what, 2014 Byron Bell, 2015, Michael Orr, 2016, uh, we switched over Mike Rimmers, 2017, uh, we had Matt Khalil. Uh, I mean, (laughs) you know, it just, you know, the hits just keep coming literally to the quarterback, but, but it's just, um, it's just, it's just time to just finally secure that position because that does so much, not just for the offensive line, but for your quarterback, for your running back. I even look at it as help for the defense because when you got someone protecting, the chances of your drives for, um, going further increase, scoring opportunities increase, and, you know, put points upon the board. You know, a franchise left tackle, I know it's not a sexy pick to those who don't appreciate, you know, what that grunt word is like. But uh, for me, you know, that's looking like – that's looking like um, – you know, a two piece bikini in the summertime to me, we get a, we get an offensive lineman such of his caliber. That's sexy to
1: me. So, so that's your ideal plan um, mm-hmm. in, in the draft. What do you think Carolina is actually going to do?
2: As far as what I think Carolina is going to do as much as I, much as I don't want to do, I'm not heavy on the whole, we got to have a quarterback in this draft. I'm not on that. Not that there's not talent personally, Looking ahead, I think the twenty twenty two quarterback class will have more NFL ready quarterbacks coming out. But you know, listen to Panther social media; they think we don't get a franchise quarterback out of this draft, it's going to be the end of the world. You know, it's this draft or not, but you know, time will always tell. But I think that uh, if a quarterback is not taken, is a legit option um, in the first round um, for the Panthers, I think it would be that uh tackle or even cornerback okay. but as far as um addressing the offensive line i could see them drafting at least two to three offensive linemen because a lot of people don't remember matt rule at his heart he's a trench guy you know that's where he got his beginnings with um, in the coaching ranks was um both the offensive and defensive line
0: we'll get into more of the draft here in a little while i just want to s- stick with these free agents a little bit okay. mike davis you think they bring him back or is he going to garner a little bit more attention now that with the season he put up this past year?
2: I think with Davis, it'll come down to if he wants to take the highly used term hometown discount, he has earned the right to field offers. He has shown now, has he shown enough to where he could be paid as a lead back somewhere else? You can make a case one way or the other. But I remember—I don't know if you guys saw that tweet. He was saying how him and Christian McCaffrey is the best running back duo in the NFC South over mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara and Alvin and Latavius um,
0: Yeah, Latavis I, saw, I saw that. I saw that tweet. Yes. That
2: so for him to still be, I guess, mentioning that, I, I, I would think that he may want to um, may want to stay. It, it all depends on one: if the Panthers offer him a contract. And two, you know, the amount. So I would say right now, I would say if I do a percentage, 60 40, um, that he would get resigned.
1: Yeah, I, I like Mike Davis a lot. I thought he filled in uh, really well for Christian McCaffrey this year. I would love to see them both healthy, but both playing as a one two punch. I think they would complement each other very well. But if, if uh, they were both on the team this year, this for this upcoming season, I would be very happy. Yeah, I've,
0: I felt like they finally have found that more of that power back who could still catch the ball mm-hmm. he, he just he just bounced off tackles and he was a back that could catch the ball they always had this smaller type running back aside of McCaffrey that it just didn't yeah. work out for them and I think this was finally the guy who was who you could pair well with McCaffrey and who could who could catch the ball in the backfield, who could block who could get that third and third down and one and and, and get extend the drives out for you when McCaffrey needs a break. And I think if he takes that hometown discount, hopefully he does and they can get him back. We got to address the QB situation. That's what everyone is talking about online. Kevin, I know you love this topic. This might be your favorite topic of the night,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but <Right. laughs> let, let's, let's jump into the, the newest, the newest stuff out. And that's the Jason look, Le- if I'm saying that wrong, I apologize. But he came out today, and in his report, he said, Courtney sources, Tepper is over the idea of a game manager, and they are ready for a proven young elite passer. Kevin, everyone wants to know about Watson. That's what I would say 80 to 90% of the Panther fans are talking about. I know you. you want them to go a different route. What do you think of the, of Watson? What do you think the chances Carolina is going to get him? And what would you give up to get him if at all? <laughs> okay. Well, as far as this
2: whole John Watson, the report that came out today, here's my stance. I don't, if you guys have been paying attention ever since Cam Newton first got uh, injured in 2017, every off season, any quarterback that's out there has been as a possible link to Carolina. Up to date, right now, we've had what eight quarterbacks mentioned as, oh, according to sources, according to sources, according to sources. Now, the only one that yielded some concrete evidence that we were almost close was the one for Matt Stafford. You know, when it said that the Panthers were in the process of asking for his medical records, but it came out that Stafford said no, he wanted to play for a winner. Uh, He didn't want to go to the rebuilding situation in Carolina, you know, so, you know, that was the reason why that failed because the Panthers were offering the first round pick and a fifth and Bridgewater for Matthew Stafford is what, uh, what it came out to be. Now, all these other rumors, you know, what Watson, what Garoppolo, Derek Carr, uh, Carson Wentz. I mean, Jesus is just anybody that's, a quarterback that can throw the ball. They seem to, that's a free agent. I mean, what Trubisky for a while too. I'm like, Pass. like seriously, but as far as strictly with just Watson um, talent wise, there's no doubt. He by far would be the most amazing quarterback talent we've had. Well, since, you know, Cam definitely an upgrade in Teddy Bridgewater in every aspects of the game without a doubt. Uh, the reason why, And when I take my feelings out of it, because I do have feelings attached because I'm a Teddy Bridgewater fan. But when I look at it, you know, without bias, I just don't see the Carolina Panthers having enough of the type of compensation that it would take to pull this off. Because last reported the for Deshaun Watson. But, of course, now they're saying they don't want to trade him. But what was last put out there, they want at least two first round picks, two second round picks and. Two defensive starters for Deshaun Watson. Okay, even if you were to so, stop so are you
0: willing uh, are you willing to give up Burns?
2: I don't, I don't want to cuss on here, but H E L L no.
0: <laughs> oh, you can cuss down here. We we, we got the
1: explicative content. Oh, you're we grow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're but good. Hell you're
2: wrong. No,
1: no. See, see, I, I lean more towards uh, I want Watson. I'm 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 a fan of Watson and not a fan of Bridgewater. So uh I lean towards the first round picks I'm okay with, Christian McCaffrey I'm okay with. Teddy, obviously throwing teddy in there i'm okay with but once you start getting into the to the young defense defensive players the young stars burns chin brown that's just i mean that's asking way too much way too much from a team and and i i know some people argue even the first round picks and christian McCaffrey is too much which they have a fair argument but i think once you start getting in, into the defensive stars for the carolina panthers and and you're throwing in those first round picks and you're throwing in christian McCaffrey and Teddy that's just I mean, you're kind of asking for disaster to happen at that point.
2: Yeah, because if you look at it, they also let go of J.J. Watt. What dynamic defense player that we have would thrive great at a cheap rate right now? That would be Brian Burns. Uh-huh. You know, to go from Watt to Burns, that would be probably what they would ask for. Me, personally, based on the, what the personnel they lost, I think that they would ask for those picks plus something like Burns and Chin for mm-hmm. Watson. And for me, um, I'm not a fan of giving away draft. I feel like you don't give away your 1st round draft hits until you're just one player away from from making it. You know, like, since we're rebuilding and we have so many holes, we, I just don't see the Panthers being a much better team than the team that he's left. You know, because what we would have to give up to acquire him, we only have three offensive linemen, you know, but, under but, contract. I mean, it begs the question you – know,
0: are they in a, a full rebuild? Can we say that?
2: Me personally, I feel like we are because when you look at the talent that we lost, the long terms, the cams, the Luke Kuechly, the Greg Olson, that's a lot for any franchise losing one all season. You know, and when you're talking about a roster that was turned over over 60% new players, you know, that's asking a lot. this When was the last time you seen this many young players getting this many snaps on both sides of the ball? You know, Ron Rivera was very veteran heavy friendly and was stubborn for playing for, for God's sakes, he had Brian Burns on this on on the punt team. I mean as a gunner. You know what I'm saying? So I mean <laughs> Yeah. That
0: we uh, could talk uh, an hour on that. Let's be oh, God, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah so the so the love for the rookies wouldn't really wasn't strong. I, I just like I, I just think that based on When you look back at Rue's record of what he did at Temple, what he did at Baylor, it's it's still very similar. He played a lot of his younger players, his freshmen and sophomores. They grew up sophomores and juniors, juniors and seniors. And by that third season, things went well. And I can see that being the same pattern here because when we look ahead, the 2022 salary cap, oh, my God, it is lovely for us. It is absolutely lovely. So we can stomach through this one with reduced cap and get back to, and get to 2022 with our core players, I mean, we're we really be in a good position to make that big push that third year.
0: Yeah, but you gotta, you gotta look at it too. I mean, you had eight games you were in. You win half of those, which they have almost all came down to the wire of a one score or three, four points. You win half those, you're talking playoffs maybe this year. So I feel like it's in that inner stage of, not a full rebuild, but kind of. I mean, obviously they lost a lot last year. We there's there's no denying that whatsoever. I don't I don't think a team has lost that much in the recent years. I mean, they lost a lot of guys. Um, but and, I just feel like, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Rule said that himself. I, I think it was with an interview with Scheffner or something. But Ruhl, when Rule comes out and says we lost eight games by one possession, uh, and, and we won a quarterback. That's going to go out there and give and give us a chance to win games, uh, be an elite passer and get the job done in the fourth quarter. And and when he mentions if you win half of those games and you're in the playoffs, to me, that that makes me uh, seem like that makes me feel like he thinks they're a playoff team with a, with a good quarterback. So that and I think. Tepper feels the same way. You know, all the reports saying Tepper's an aggressive owner, which well, he Tepper's is.
0: clearly tired of he's, yeah.
1: he's tired of
0: meteorocracy. That's what he, yeah. he's, he's yeah. tired of it. He's tired of so. an injured cam. He's tired of Teddy Bridgewater. And if this reports, right, which we don't, I mean, we we're, we're just going off of what, look kind is reporting, but all indication seems like is Tepper's signing the checks. That guy has the most power. It seems like whatever he says, whatever he says goes Mm -hmm. and the ducks fall in line behind him. And I feel like if he wants that franchise quarterback, now it's going to happen, whether that's Watson or fields or whoever the, whoever they draft Uh, maybe Mac Jones later on, who knows, but I just feel like this is the year they, they need to hit, they need to hit in this draft. And if that is the quarterback, or if that's lineman at eight, like what Kevin is saying, and they build around they build around Teddy and then go quarterback next year, and then I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely good talk, that's for sure.
1: One philosophy that I I uh, I like to mention um, when it comes to quarterback is I think quarterback is a position in football that you're up to the plate and and you're swinging for a home run every year, and if you don't hit that home run you continue to keep swinging. You can, you continue to keep looking because the ultimate goal is to win a super bowl. So I, I think, I think quarterback is the position that you swing at every year. And if you feel like you don't have uh, the home run, then you, you look elsewhere.
2: So here's my thing about this whole thing with Tepper, you know, just, just want to fast rewind back to what he said a year ago, after the hiring of Matt rule, you know, he sold us on this, Hey, this is going to be a process. Wrong wasn't built in a day. Uh, You know, it could take a few years, three to five years, potentially before we're that consistent winner. So when you sold me on that, I pretty much charged 2020 and 2021 to the game as a fan. Like, hey, it's going to be, you know, we got to burn the field, start all over from scratch, build up. And if you look at, you know, all these reports that's coming out, that's being said, that's being room to mention. If you remember back to this time last year, what were they saying about Cam? Matt Rule's saying, oh, looking forward to working with Cam. You know, the vibe was totally one thing, and they end up doing something else. So one thing to consider, it's a possibility. It may not be popular because I know, you know, as they're saying, we're quarterback horny right now. Everybody's, you know, all, you know, taking online vag for a quarterback. (laughs) Who's to say that this is all not a smokescreen to hide their real intent? Because when you think about what Matt Rule and Tepper were saying this time last year and what they eventually ended up doing was two totally different things. That's now
0: That's interesting you bring that up because you, I'm sure all of us remember here when Fitterer in his opening press conference, I want to say when they were targeting Russell Wilson, they didn't even work him out was or something along those lines where they didn't want any ties to Russell Wilson whatsoever when they drafted yeah, they, him. Yeah. And that, that is a good point where they could, this is all smoke. And then once the draft comes, they're going a whole different direction. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Because they, they, people realize because y'all probably see all the tweets and stuff like I do. They know that Panther fans are gullible when we're mentioned with a quarterback where it's where we're exploding all the clickbait. bait. That's why any and everybody that needs clicks are putting just add any throw quarterback out there in Panthers and watch it take off. I, I really think that a lot of this is uh clip bait. Now I'm not, I'm not so naive to the point to think that there's not discussions that there's not efforts. I don't mind Federer knocking on every door because he did say we're going to be on every deal. I don't mind that. I, I, I never want anyone to be content with our roster regardless of who they're but there's always a chance to get better, you know, but at the same time I'm thinking they could be playing chess and everybody else is thinking checkers. Yeah. You know, because for all the talk of quarterback at the end of the day, we still only have three offensive linemen on the contract. You cannot tell me that, and I'm not just saying it because I'm a fan of linemen that that is not a high priority right now, because regardless of who you put at quarterback, we saw in the Super Bowl. if you ain't got offensive line, I don't care how talented you are as a quarterback, you can have all pros at every position, which Kansas city nearly does. They was held at nine points by our divisional rival, who we're going to see, you know, so That's I just want point. to put it out there that it could be a possibility. So when all the chips fall back, listen back to this episode and be like, you know what, that Kevin guy did say, <laughs> you know, that it's a
0: But Kevin. I'll catch you here. Didn't you ju- didn't you just say though a while ago that this draft is deep with some good linemen? So why not take the QB first round and then get some other guys in the later rounds at linemen like you mentioned? Because you said this draft is so deep. That
2: is true. You you could uh, essentially do that as well. Here's my thing though. Getting is a difference between good solid linemen and franchise changing linemen. The two, there's two. I would say there's two or three offense alignment in the first round. That at number eight, that I would consider. Some I would, I would feel comfortable. We trade back and picked up at. Like for example, no doubt, Seawell out of Oregon. If he's there at number eight, we should do a power walk to the podium or whatever type of setup they're gonna have in Cleveland. You know, as soon as the Lions announce that pick, if he's still there, it. We don't need to use the whole fifteen minutes. That needs to be, a. <laughs> Dead straight issue. But if that's not the case, you know, um, Rashawn Slater. I don't know if you guys have been seeing my, uh, I, I did, a, we've been doing four man rough draft profiles and we've been dropping, you know, breakdowns. I did a, the breakdown by Rashawn Slater. I did that one. We're talking about someone that's out of Northwestern. He, he's played all five positions. And one of the things that he does well is that he has great technique, great footwork, and he plays hard into the whistle. You know, getting to the second level is no problem for this guy. Uh, you know, it's just – he's just so so Those are two offense linemen, and some have actually – Going with Slater, Slater. There, let's
0: talk about him a little bit. It, it, do you think he's more slated as a guard, or is he more of a tackle? Because I feel like they need to solidify that tackle position if they're going to get someone in the draft.
2: Um, Slater, he's – because of – he doesn't have the typical NFL tackle arm length – He's been more suited as probably interior player, center, or guard. But when you watch his film, he was the one that put Chase Young on a leash when they played Ohio State. Chase Young did, if I'm not mistaken, I think he only had two tackles that game when Northwestern played Ohio State. Wow. I believe Ohio State won, but it wasn't because of Chase Young. Now we're talking about the guy that was what, just what, the defensive rookie of the year? Um, Sean Slater put him in a in a, in a hole and just told him sit be good don't move he did not get anywhere near their quarterback so that that, that can't be ignored um, so yeah uh, but Slater he's definitely someone that I would consider a top 10 offensive lineman in this draft but yeah you are right um, he, the s- experts are saying that he might be better because his arms are not NFL tackle long enough that they look for so, yeah, that's definitely a possibility.
1: I, I want to get your opinion on uh, one offensive lineman I kind of find interesting. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think his first name is Deontay. Uh, uh, Deontay Brown out of Alabama, mm-hmm. the guard. Uh, what's your opinion on him?
2: Ah, man, Deontay Brown. Um, we're talking about a guy that didn't give up one sack in three years at Alabama. Yeah. I believe he gave up a total of maybe eight quarterback pressures in three years. Like, we're talking about a guy that's – Despite what happened at the Senior Bowl, because we had I had some people rad, rag on me for still liking the guy, Man, you saw what happened at the Senior Bowl. Okay, everybody has a day like that. Yeah, I got three years of him in the toughest conference in the country, facing the top defensive line talent. Like I put like this: Ask Derek Brown about the uh about Deontay when Auburn Alabama met. Derek Brown could do nothing with him, and that was leaving him one on one. So I, I think he's someone that a day two pick, second or third round, if he's available, um, get him him and Trey Smith out of Tennessee, I would love for them to be our guards out of this draft, if that could possibly happen.
1: <laughs> Whew, yeah, we'd be looking pretty on the offensive line then. Oh, yes, sir. With Taylor Moten, you got Pe- uh, Pe- – Paradise has improved. I think this season he improved from last last season. He did. Um, so I I think oh man you get those you get those guards you got Parrish. you got Moten you you find you a tackle I mean we're uh we're a different team
2: yeah we definitely are um you know we went all defense last year why, why not why not do that for the offense yeah you know now me being greedy I, I would say Seawell in the first Trey Smith in the second Deontay Brown in the third <laughs> now our <laughs> offensive line is set for the next ten years yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, and then since this is Paradis last year, in the later rounds, we get a guy like Trey Hill out of Georgia who played center. You know, you could probably pick him up day three. And once pardis leaves, plug him right in and we just keep the show going. So whether it's Bridgewater, whether it's Justin Field, wherever, whatever quarterback's back there, he got an O-line that's going to do right by him. But that's just me being a greedy-ass uh, offensive line fan. <laughs> so that's
0: how I see it let's go back to the quarterbacks let's let's get off to free agency a little bit and dive into the draft those top four top three quarterbacks that let's say four you have fields you got lance wilson's a long shot and then you got mac jones who rule was pretty close with at the senior bowl out of those four who do you like what do you see out of them
2: Okay, I could pretty much say that even though Fitterer went to Clemson for Lawrence Pro Day, it's pretty much a safe bet. He's not going to be around for us to draft. And uh, I, I cannot see us selling out the form to move up to get him in spite of many diehard Clemson fans claiming that's what we should do. Yeah. But anyway, uh, as far as the other quarterbacks here, you know, again, with the draft profiles, we did a great job breaking down all of the quarterbacks that you name. Matter of fact, we're going to get ready to drop the one from Matt Jones uh, in just a couple of days here. But uh, in order, after, after um, Trevor Lawrence, I would say that the next one up would be me personally. I would say Zach Wilson out of uh, BYU. I know sometimes people clown him because they lost to the Coastal Carolina. I don't know if y'all saw the play where where he got uh, blocked, like, into the ground. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> that
2: was just, you know, but far as, like, just going back and watching his overall – you know, talent, the talent is there. The NFL arm and all that is there. But what, what scares me is he reminds me of being a one-year wonder like Mitch Trubisky was at Carolina. And I'm a huge Carolina fan, Tar Heels. You know, all of my mock drafts, I'm drafting at least two Tar Heels. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but the talent is legit, so I got reasons to do that. But seriously, though, um, that's the thing that that, that scares me. He, he could be, you know, he could be, fall easily into that category you know I, I, I just like to have a little bit longer resume but obviously the talent is there so it just depends on how well you coach him up how you bring him in Zach Wilson would be the next uh then after that I would say Justin Fields obviously his resume is more impressive you know they only played what six Big Ten games this year before they got in the playoffs which uh you know had irked many people but you know take it as is uh, I like his overall demeanor I think that his talent-wise, he's just as talented as Trevor Lawrence, because, if I'm not mistaken, um, he actually um, was at the University of Georgia, and he came from the same a similar area where Trevor Lawrence went from, because he's from Georgia as well. So they they're not they were they were coming at the same time um, when they were being recruited, and then of course Georgia chose I forgot who their quarterback, but I'm like, hold up, you let Justin Fields go for this guy? I think it was from Jake Was yeah. it from
1: Jake from. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it was
2: from. Yep. Right. Like y'all really did that. Okay. Georgia. Fine. Okay. So um, that would be my third pick. And then I think the most talked about quarterback pick would be Trey Lance. A lot of people look at number one, what school the division he played in and he only had one solid year as a, as a starter. He is someone that I would like to see take a year or two sit behind and learn, but I think his upside and his talent is just as good as any of these other quarterbacks here. Uh, you know, I'm a country boss, so I'm going to put it like this. He needs to be in a crock pot. Let him sit, let him simmer, season him with some film study, footwork, some mechanics. Do for, do for Trey, um, Trey Lance, which you didn't do for Cam Newton. because Cam Newton was very talented, but he was raw in his mechanics and his footworks, and that's something that we talked about all his career. You
0: know, yeah, and that's, don't that's do what Trey I was Lance like say. That. I feel like Trey Lance is very raw. He's a raw quarterback yeah. who he needs to sit, and Teddy Bridgewater is that bridge quarterback that could make it possible for Trey Lance to sit a year and get ready to roll. And if, if it's earlier, if it's halfway through the season when Teddy's struggling, that could be a possibility too. Um, but yeah, I, I he he is very raw, and you know what, you got a year in one game. On the guy who's who played at North Dakota State, he, he worries me a
1: little bit. I mean, to throw twenty-eight touchdowns and zero interceptions, though, no matter what talent you're playing against, is pretty impressive. I mean that that says a lot about your decision making, um, your poise, and I, I think he definitely does need to sit. Um, I think I said this last podcast; he needs to sit for a while um, and, and learn the NFL and get that experience. Uh, I definitely feel Justin Fields is the more ready um, the more ready quarterback um, to come in and start, probably take the starting position from Teddy if he's still in the team um, in training camp. but um, I, the things I see from Fields, uh, I mean he's got he's got the arm strength, he's got the escapability, the accuracy, um, his footwork is amazing in the pocket. He does struggle sometimes with uh, blitz recognition and then um, going through his reads, his progressions. But I, I think that's something that he can learn as, as he goes in the NFL. But I, I love Justin Fields. Um, I, me and Curtis talk about it all the time. Justin Fields is my um, my dream pick if Watson doesn't happen. Kevin, uh, something I want to mention to you about uh, Wilson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the report today, but there's there's teams that have Wilson ranked over Lawrence. They have him that high on on the board. <laughs> What's your opinion on that?
2: My opinion on that is that's why there's drug testing done. You know, <laughs> because my God, I, I, like I said, I'm a Tar fan, so um, I'm I by no reason have any reason to have love for Clemson and ACC, But Trevor Lawrence is probably the most NFL ready out of all of these, mm-hmm. you know, quarterbacks here. Uh, the rest of the quarterbacks, I think, could use some seasoning could use some sit down time before they're actually thrown in there that's why i was saying i think 2022 has more quarterbacks that'll be ready to start than this class even though i think this class is more has a little bit more talent in the top half of the quarterbacks but i think as far as like the the mentality and everything because you know there's 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 some noticeable flaws in all the other quarterbacks behind um, trevor lawrence that could get picked in the top 10 you know, here like some of the things about you know you talking about Justin Fields is that you know he can come a little too indecisive. You know when there's a rush lane in front of him, um, you know there the the offense Ohio State it's a one read offense. And like you said, you know the NFL coverage is a lot tighter yep. than, than it is in college. So when his first read ain't there, what's he going to do?
1: Yeah, that's something that too has struggled with this year because I think it was. um I can't remember the announcer, but he said Tua was struggling this year because he's waiting for wide receivers to get Alabama open and not NFL open. So exactly. I think that's that's something that that Fields could struggle with. Um I, I could see him struggling with that, but um I, I hope he wouldn't.
2: Yeah. So there's 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 things that that if you throw these quarterbacks out here too early, you could potentially delay their their um blossoming at the right time. I mean, I understand it's gonna be the pressure. Because you know, if you're being picked in the top 10, you're going to a team that sucks, and you know, this expectation is okay, we're dropping this high. Why is he not? Why we're not playing him? But yeah,
0: you're always, you're always gonna have that pressure, you're always gonna have the let pu- plug and play, let's get him in there kind of thing. But unless you're Jordan Love, I mean, you had a quarterback last year that threw 15 touchdowns, so throwing him in out to the Wolves. Are you going to get that much production out of them? You would think so if you're drafting them in the top 10 that you're going to get at least 15 touchdowns out of your starting quarterback. You know, you would
2: think that, but look at what happened to um, Joe Burrow. All the talent you could possibly ask for, but what? He didn't have a line to block for him. You know, and what ended up happening, he ended up, you know, going on season IR. You know, so for those that think that a – getting you know Watson or any high you know draft quarterback is going to fix it that's that's not the case you know and that's and that's one of the reasons why you know I'm I'm so for you know building Teddy because you know when you look back at the Panthers history how many times have you said we've had a consistent offensive line for two or three years in a row
1: not much man crickets yeah
2: exactly (laughs) when I think about the last really great offensive line time frame i think of the the 2008 panthers
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know i mean whether it was run or pass you know they was whooping ass it it didn't matter <laughs> it really did like not that. matter i like that. you know and then i'm mean, saying yeah you can bring up the 2015 season but i look at the 2015 season it was talented the offense line was talented but you also had a defense that gave you 39
0: turnovers and gave you short field a lot of time
1: and you had a generational talent uh, cam Newton playing out of his mind that season
0: yeah, but I mean, let, let's let's go back to these, these rookie quarterbacks. I'm taking Justin Fields week one over Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sorry. I, I, I just am doing it. The guy, he's got some talent. He's got the speed. He can run. You look at the Northwestern game where he struggled, two picks in that game. And then you also look at, I think it was Indiana. He had three interceptions. That was probably his worst college football game he's ever played. You could see that he stared down the receiver too much a little bit. And I I picked up on that. But me and Bryce were talking about this last night. His rollout to the left is a lot like Baker Mayfield. His roll to the left side is is pretty damn good. Almost I mean, almost unstoppable. When he rolls out to the left, he's looking downfield and he is throwing on time and he can rip that ball. And which is it's hard to do when you're a right handed quarterback. And that's one thing he is really good at is outside the pocket, he can fire that ball. And what I like about him over Trey Lance is he doesn't take the necessary hits. Trey Lance is hundred yards on the ground back to Cam Newton, pounding in the rock fourth and five, fourth and two we are running a QB draw and he takes hits. And we, as Panther fans know, that is not sustainable. He's got raw talent. He's got, he's got, he's got the arm. He's got the legs. He's got the, he's got the tools. Yeah. He's got the, when oh, you're playing in the NFL and you're, you're, you're facing the Buccaneers defense and you don't got an offensive line. That's a little bit scary. I'm on the train. They need a quarterback. I don't know if Watson's the answer. I don't know if they can give up that to that much and keep the success going with all with trading a bunch of draft picks, but I think they need to go quarterback. And then I think they need to address the offensive line in the draft second, third round, and they need to start building up. They need a left tackle. And if they do go left tackle at eight, I'm okay with that. Finally, solidify that left side that hasn't that has been non-existent since Jordan Gross in what 2011 when he left. 2013. 2013. Thank you. 2013. So like, there's there's options there, but I think if there's an option to get Justin Fields, and it might it might be the trade up, it might be the trade up to three yet for Miami, but if they think that's the guy who's going to turn this franchise around and into a consistent playoff team and what tepper is looking for and who's going to put i think fields could be the guy i really do
2: so just something to go back on what you just mentioned a moment ago here you was talking about um, trey lance running the ball and cam newton how to the toes but if you be honest cam newton rarely took any hits running the ball um, it was a couple of times like when he was in atlanta and he took on what like seven blockers to get that first down you know, but those were like rare moments. You know, can the hits that Cam Newton took that injured him were he was standing in the pocket as a passer. So for me, I'm not too much worried about. Trail-ass. I agree
0: with you in a sense because the yeah they weren't big hits, but when you're when you're running through fourth and two in the line, and I mean from a from a shotgun or a pistol formation to a fourth and three, not a QB sneak. Those hits add up. The hit, the shots to the back, even if they aren't big. Those hits, they beat up Cam. And I, and I understand that there are hits that Cam Newton took when he got sacked or he's running. The Atlanta game is one of the notable ones. Those hits add up when you're running those what I think, were poor play decisions and just beating the hell out of Cam Newton consistently. Whether it wasn't a big hit or not, but those hits in the back, those hits to the side. That adds up, man, and that, and I feel like that took a huge toll on him. I'll, I'll. Sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead.
2: Oh no, no, no. That was, I mean, that was a very valid point. Um, you know, those hits do add up because you think about what was mentioned by Russell Wilson. They got the possibility of him being out of there. What Russell? He came out and said, "Look, I, you know, I've been sacked. What did he say? What or hit what four hundred times or something that he put out there? I mean, what he's what maybe what five eleven on a good day, <laughs> <laughs> you know." Um. You know, so, uh, you know, whether you're, you know, a physical specimen like Cam or whether you're a smaller, you know, quarterbacks, you know, you know, the hits add up um, regardless, you know, especially in this RPO um, era of NFL offenses that we're uh, that we now have entered into where, well, that's just, uh, that's just a staple that uh, most teams are now employing, but, um, but yeah, but as far as Justin Fields, you know, when we watch the film on one of the biggest things, one of his biggest weaknesses, and I think NFL coaches will take advantage of is that he struggles a lot with pre-snap um, read when the, when the teams are doing their shifts and their adjustments, anybody know pre-snap, you know, that's like a chess match, you know, you put Justin Fields and let's say if Luke Keegan was still playing, you know, <laughs> you know, Luke gonna move and stay and move some things around. That's going to like, you know, throw things off. That's why I, I'm a fan of Justin, like not starting right away, because I, I want him to be able to understand what these NFL defenses are going to try to do to him and what to expound on. Because, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks, you know, they don't have exactly the best reputation of panning out well, you know, like what was the one? Uh, That's, a Haskins. That's a good point.
0: That's a good point.
2: You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm just a fan of sitting these young quarterbacks and just letting them learn and watch before throwing them out there. Um, I like the Kansas City model, you know, but, you know, Kansas City, before they drafted the homes, they was getting 10, 10 wins a year. So that's why they was in the position to draft up to get him plugging right on in, and they ain't pretty much looked back ever since. You know, so, but, you know, his rookie year, he sat down the first 15 games. I think he played the last game at Denver, and then what happened the next year, 50 touchdowns and MVP. Year after that, Super Bowl MVP. So, you know, I'm just a fan of no matter how talented the quarterback is, it, it, there's a benefit for him to just you know watch a veteran you know go through these things and then you apply it with your talents that way when your time come in you're not having that struggle adjustment that's costing your team plays and games you know that's that's just me personally
1: yeah I I, uh, I agree with you I I think there is another side um, to it because for example this year Justin Herbert coming in I think it was like week four week five or something when Tyrod Taylor got his lung stabbed by the nurse. <laughs> Giving them a steroid. Uh, that was actually against us, was it? Really?
2: Oh, okay. Yes, Tyrod Taylor was. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, that, well, no, was yeah, that, yeah. No, that was the yeah, that that was the week before us. When yes, they
1: yeah, City. before,
2: yeah, it was Kansas City. Yeah. So he came in um before that, so yeah, um week two uh, against Kansas City and almost won a yeah. damn game.
1: Yeah, Herbert is a <laughs> is a solid talent. I mean, he is um one of my favorite uh, quarterbacks from last year's draft, but. I throwing him in and seeing him blossom the way he did last season, I, they didn't win very many games, but I think that the chargers had a lot of injuries and um, their offensive line wasn't very good either, but Herbert played great. He, I mean, I don't think you could expect him to play any better than he did last year. And I think that situation um, gives me hope for the draft, like drafting fields and throwing him in, in Carolina and, and going that route.
0: So Kevin, are, are you opposed, let's say draft day comes and it's Lawrence one, Wilson two, and Carolina's looking to trade up. You're totally against that to get, yeah, um, to get fields.
2: Yeah. I am not guess it's not so much fields, but I'm just looking at the bigger, the bigger issue as a whole Carolina right now has 17 unrestricted free agents. There are holes to fill. We got to reduce caps. Um, 17 unrestricted free agents. We're not gonna have the we're we're gonna be lucky to keep Moulton tag or um tag or not, because the tag is actually the same amount of his value, 14 million dollars is what the market value said that Taylor Moten gonna get. And the tag ironically is 14 million dollars. So uh, you know, we'll we'll keep them around that price, you know, whether we get the tag or not. Uh, but you know, outside of that, you know, I mean, I know moves were made. We might be able to get a couple of mid-tier. Uh, free agent signings, but uh, just for me, I, I'm just not a fan of trading away draft capital when you're when you're rebuilding. Because you know, one thing that the Panthers have suffered over the years is that when a star player goes out, the the players that come in the fill spot they're not talented enough to keep this thing going. How many teams we see injuries don't derail them? Like, look at the Eagles' 2017 Super Bowl season. They had eight starters go on injury reserve, but they drafted well and had enough you know, quality players that could step right in and they didn't miss a beat, you know. And I'm just thinking that I, I just want us to finally have some some quality depth, which a lot of our fans overlook. They think it's just supposed to be 22 starters, play out of snaps. You know, the bottom half of your roster is really what what keeps your team from being eight and eight and 12 and four, in my opinion.
1: One situation I was discussing with Curtis before we got on was uh, one that kind of intrigues me and I kind of ranked it with him as my third favorite option. They don't get Watson, they don't trade up for Fields, and they draft Sewell out of Oregon at eight, but they trade for Sam Darnold. They they trade a – I think the mock draft I saw was a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick for Sam Darnold. They take the left tackle in the first round, they take a guard in the second or the third round and, and kind of give Sam Darnold a chance in Carolina. Um, what is your opinion on Sam Darnold?
2: Uh, as far as my opinion on Sam Donald, um, let me clarify by saying that the the New York Jets front office is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> that's the nicest oh, way I could man. put it, and you know, so hope the FCC don't come down on me for <laughs> saying that, but that's just the best. That's the best way I could put it. So,
0: from that regards, it would be when hard we when anybody. we get the fine, I'll be coming to your doorstep. <laughs> All right,
2: just let me know what you (laughs) pass.
0: Lending tree, well, uh, give me some stock in lending tree. We'll be all right. (laughs) Hey, my stock obviously did good. Yeah,
2: yeah, talk about that. But um, (laughs) but yeah, so it would be hard for any quarterback to to survive because, oh my God, when when was the last time the Jets had a decent quarterback? I mean, I know we talk about, you know, the Cleveland Browns and their long list before that. I think they found their answer at Mayfield, but my God, I mean, when you think about Sanchez might be the best quarterback they've had in the last 12 to 15 yeah. years. Like, that's kind of like, it's pitiful, you know, yeah, because, you know, they got to the, I think the AFC championship game, um, you know, that that's to his credit, you know, but um, I think Sam Donald is a talented player that could use a mm-hmm. fresh start. But outside of maybe a better arm talent, as far as his decision making and things, you're really not getting nothing but a, maybe a little bit better arm than what you got with Teddy Bridgewater. When you I be totally honest. agree with you. When you, be, totally when you be honest with it. And for them to be asking for a second for Sam Donald is laughable. Day three pick only, you know, a fourth round. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll roll the dice for a fourth, a fourth round on Sam Donald. but a second or a third, like what's, what's been reported. No, sir. No, no. Like I say, i i for that pick, I give up. I read a draft meal lineman That's going to uh, block for Teddy. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. I feel like if Carolina is going to trade for any quarterback, it, it's gotta be someone that's going to be a significant upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater. And I just don't see Darnell as a significant upgrade. And a lot of people are banking off of, well, could he be the Tannehill? Could he be the next Tannehill and turn his career around and you get you to the AFC championship? I, I don't see it. I don't see it in Darkness. I have to disagree with
1: you guys, man. I, I I think he's had he has had it rough with the New York Jets. I mean, having Adam Gase as your coach coming into the NFL has has got you messed up from the start and, and just in an organization that doesn't really equipped weapons around you very well. I mean He's had Jamison Crowder, Le'Veon Bell, which didn't do anything for him. Um, He had Robbie Anderson for a little bit. But I think with the right coaching staff, with a coaching staff that's going to develop him like Matt Rule has shown to be able to do um, just in one year with the players he drafted, I think Sam Darnold has a chance to to be a, a very good quarterback still, just in the right situation.
0: Yeah, but I want to wrap up with this here, and I think we clearly know what the answer is, but just so we can get you on tape saying it. At eight, who are you picking if you're the Carolina Panthers?
2: All right, well, at eight, I only have two players that I personally would take. Obviously, I mentioned the first one already, um, Sewell out of Oregon. Um, If he's not there and Patrick Sertain out of Alabama is there, I would go with him at number eight. When you look at the the wide receivers in the NFC South, I know we cannot trot out another combination talent of Rasul Douglas and Dante Jackson and think that we're going to compete with these wide receivers. Um, so, yeah, those would be my two picks. Um, Patrick Sertain, I think, is a shutdown corner, coming in as a rookie. Um, if a, a Sewell isn't, uh, isn't available, that would be uh, my You think pick.
0: corner, I mean, though, for how many pieces they need, corner is going to – is that going to be that
1: impactful? I thought Dante Jackson was solid well, last year. When you,
2: yeah, he was hell when, he, when yeah. he was well. You know, you notice ever since he jumped up for that interception in Arizona, he's been injured <laughs> every since we made that amazing – like his groin. That turf know, toe is yeah. no
0: joke. <laughs>
2: yeah, but it was that groin before that. So, you know, between bad toe and bad nuts, I mean, he's just had a – He's just had a uh, – he's been having a rough time. But, yeah, I, I think in his – coming up on his contract year, I, I think um, – um, because I believe – did he have the surgery? Do y'all know if he had the surgery on the toe or not? Because I believe they say he was waiting to the offseason. I'm evening. not sure on
0: that one, honestly. I haven't yeah. seen anything on that yet. I They okay. haven't re, they haven't reported it, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, so we're going to, you know, go off what Tepper has said. Um, he had mentioned, actually, before offense line, he said quarterback and secondary with two of the biggest – things the team needs to improve um you know corn elders a free agent rasul douglas a free agent you know so cornerback is definitely a. I mean
0: i i guess let me try to explain what i was trying to get at is okay i don't i'm not disagreeing that the secondary is an issue and that corners outside of dante jackson who surprised me last year because i thought he was hot garbage the first year but is at pick eight is that going to be that impactful for this, this team? I guess that's what I was getting at. I know that's a weakness. I understand that. And I think they definitely need to address it. But at eight, I don't know if that's the answer.
2: Well, look back at last year's draft. Do, um, who did Jacksonville Jaguars take at number nine? Uh, they got the cornerback Henderson out of Florida. He ended up having a, um, a above-average rookie career. You know, Had one of the lower passes rating when targeted. Uh, was in the top five in pass deflections, uh, so there's right, because for me the three the three most important positions on a football team are quarterback, left tackle, and cornerback. This is a pass, this is a pass heavy, pass friendly league right now. Everything is, you know, spread op, spread offense. Um, you know, nickel defense is the new base, basically. So you know, the value of cornerbacks has definitely increased. And like I said, when you look at who we play in the NFC South. Julio Jones and Ridley, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Now we got to throw in a freaking Scotty Miller, of, <laughs> of all people. You know New Orleans. You know Mike Thomas, even though he's a crybaby, and you know Emmanuel Sanders. You know we faced them guys twice, and you know rules are said until we win this division. You know playoffs is not something. So I just look at it as that's something to least consider. I'm not saying that it's a strong possibility, uh, but just something that I think is is worth investing in because again. Who was the last? You know, everybody said you know Norman was the last shutdown corner, but he only shut down for one year.
0: You know,
1: yeah. Letting Bradbury so. walk over,
0: uh, yeah. Let's not talk yeah. about Bradbury. Letting him go is a Let, big letting mistake. him walk
1: over. Uh, Shaq Thompson signing Shaq Thompson to the extension, I think, was just a bonehead mistake. So, and I'm i
2: gonna be honest. I'm eating my own crow on that because I thought fifteen million dollars. Which what he was asking, I thought that was too much, but I'm now seeing that's a bargain price. Yeah. You know, compared to what these cornerbacks are about to get now. So looking back, I was definitely one that like, look, if we can keep Brad Bear for twelve, thirteen million, yeah. Fifteen million, nah, let his ass walk. That's what I that's what I said within the four-man rush. But seeing how well he did in New York and along with what he did here, I yeah, we definitely should have re-signed him and let Shaq walk. I'll I'll be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I think we can all agree here. I think this is the most important offseason for the Carolina Panthers, whether they go quarterback, line, corner, whatever they decide in the draft. This is the biggest offseason for Matt Rule and company. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time, insight. We'd love to have you back here at some point, maybe before the draft, maybe some draft special, get you in here and get your take on those big guys up front. Go follow Kevin on Twitter. It's at 4 mr underscore. Country Kev, go follow at Four Man Rush as well on Twitter. They got some great stuff, great analysis. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Sure, not a problem. And if I
2: could say one last thing real quick, um, everybody check out our website, the Four Man Rush, the, the number four, man rush.com. Uh, We drop in draft profiles where, where we're breaking down um, all the players, as I've mentioned throughout here. And then that's where you can find all of our other content on social media Facebook, Twitter. Um, our podcast, all that stuff, definitely come check us out. We, uh we got some things coming down the pike here and um we just want everybody to come check us out and, um and be the first great stuff. stuff to know, uh, yeah.
1: You guys, you guys are, you guys are doing yeah, great stuff. We look stuff forward over there. to it, Kevin. We look yeah. forward
0: to it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. See you later. Take care. Now for our draft pick segment of the week, everyone knows I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, I, this week I picked, um, a new Glarus Brewing Company beer, Central Wisconsin located. It's a farmhouse ale. It's so smooth. It's one of my favorite beers. I have some here. I'd love for you guys if you can't get to Wisconsin. Maybe I can send you some if you if you really enjoy beer and we can work something out for some of our podcast listeners. But this is one of my favorite beers. It's got a cow logo on it. You got you gotta love the cow. You gotta love the cows, especially with when you're from Wisconsin, but Definitely recommend this if you ever go up there for a trip. New Glarus Brewing Company, Spotted Cow, one of the best beers I've ever drank. and I,
1: I can attest to that. He's uh, You brought me some down from Wisconsin. You're, you're such a generous man, and uh, and I can attest to it. It is some of the best beer I've had, and it, it is, is great. Um, as for what I'm drinking, I had to go with a super local beer um, from here in Winston-Salem. We're, we both live in Winston-Salem from Wise Man Brewing. Uh, I think it was a special beer they did for around Valentine's Day. It's got the Valentine's Day colors on it called New Eyes. It's a Burliner style Weiss with boysenberry, black currant, and lactose. Um, uh, it tastes like a sour beer to me, which I think that's what it is. Um, it it is delicious. Uh we were talking earlier. I, I think I've I pretty much finished it before we even started the episode. Uh it's really good. Um they they say the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new lands but with seeking new eyes so uh, that, that's what they put on, yeah oh, that's what they that's what they put on the beer um it's uh, 5.1% <laughs> it's watching yeah, you yeah it, it's watching you um <laughs> and uh, it's 5.1% uh, i i highly recommend wise man brewing i can't say enough about them uh, they have a great brewery to go to and hang out Um, and then obviously their beer is just out of this world. One of my favorite breweries for sure.
0: Yeah. And just to clarify that this segment, they're not paying us to do this. We just love drinking beer and we're just trying to share our favorite beers with you guys and hopefully start a chain here of, you know, just guys sitting around drinking beer, talking sports. Thank you for watching the Panthers on tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes every Thursday on Apple music, Spotify, Google podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Just hit the follow button on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. We share all of your Panthers analysis, breaking news, and as always. <laughs>